0: Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. For whom is Jesus asking forgiveness? Is Jesus asking God to forgive the criminals hanging out to his right and to his left? Or is Jesus asking to forgive, uh, asking God to forgive the people who stood watching? Or the rulers who sneered at him? Or the soldiers who mocked him? Or perhaps in a parallel from our reading last week, is Jesus asking forgiveness for the disciples who sent their mother to do their bidding for them? Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it that you want? asked. Yeah, Jesus asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You do not know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Imagine if they were sitting, or worse yet, hanging to the right and to the left of Jesus in this moment. Did the disciples ever have any idea of the nature of the Messiah? Or were they just as ignorant as everyone else? And referenced later in the Gospel of Matthew, perhaps Jesus is asking forgiveness for a disciple or disciples who denied him. Peter replied, "Even if all fall away on a kind of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you," Jesus answered, "This very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times." But Peter declared. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. For whom is Jesus asking forgiveness? Well, let's begin with the obvious. It's easy to dislike, and although I seldom like to use this word, it's even easy to hate. Those who openly and aggressively model a behavior of what we may consider evil. The leaders who scoffed at Jesus like the bully who taunts his or her victims. And the soldiers who mocked and beat Jesus just like the abuser who violently exploits and mistreats those who cannot defend themselves. Is Jesus asking God to forgive these people? And are we expected to do the same? I believe the answer is clearly yes for both questions. God forgives and we are expected to do the same. When we have been hurt, whether emotionally or physically, when someone makes fun of our tie or our sandals or intentionally stomps on our toes, there is need for forgiveness. It's what Jesus modeled. The crucifixion is the ultimate example of humiliation and pain. And here we see Jesus petition God to forgive. But even before that, Jesus reminds us of the need to forgive. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, Jesus was not always so direct with his message and often used parables to illustrate various aspects of forgiveness. During his conversation with peter in the gospel of matthew jesus told the parable of the unforgiving servant in luke's gospel we read of a series of five forgiveness parables the parable of the barren tree the bent over woman the lost sheep the lost coin and perhaps the most notable forgiveness parable of all the prodigal son so what is forgiveness Some say it is loving others like God loves us, unconditionally. More definitively, forgiveness is a conscious decision to release feelings of revenge, resentment, or hate toward a person or a group that caused us harm. And as I paraphrase Max Lucado, consider this. Resentment sucks satisfaction from our soul. Bitterness consumes us. Revenge has a monstrous appetite. One act <clears throat> of retaliation is never enough. Grudges send us on a downward spiral. Some people perceive the path of forgiveness to be impossibly steep. So let's be realistic. Forgiveness does not pardon the offense. It does not excuse or ignore the misdeed. It is not a sign of weakness. and often does not require face-to-face meeting or reconciliation. Forgiveness is simply the act of changing your attitude toward the offender. It's moving from a desire to harm toward a desire of openness to be at peace. Research shows forgiveness can provide stress relief, reduce toxic anger, reduce the impact of depression and anxiety, reduce physical health problems, and even extend life. But forgiveness takes time, and the pain of hurt can be triggered over and over again. Don't give up. Remember, it's not like cheating on a diet and giving up your diet for good. It's not like sneaking a couple of Oreo cookies. The journey to forgiveness has different paths. Some people will simply Google it, while others will employ counselors to help guide them through the process. Now, this is not a message about finding forgiveness. We don't have enough time for that this morning. But I will offer you some considerations. Pray. May the power of the Holy Spirit be with you. Pray and acknowledge what has happened. Express your emotions in a safe setting. If you need to rage, go outside and scream. If you need to cry, find a safe place and cry. Recognize that the resentment and the bitterness and the grudges all cause us even more harm. Like acid eating away at a container. That acid stays in the container until that container breaks down. Just as the guilt, just as the resentment, just as the hate stays inside of us and eats away day after day. Remember that those elements harm us, not the offender. Revised the feelings that you have toward the one that hurt you. Again, this isn't always easy. But forgiveness is when you can recall the person hurt hurt you and, and feel the power to wish them well. Try saying out loud to someone, I forgive you. It helps to take away the grudges. Or I love you. Or if you're not quite ready for that, I wish you well. Most importantly, it releases us from being the victim and sends love into the situation. Perhaps most importantly, understand that it's a process, that it requires time, it requires effort and commitment. And sometimes we feel the walls come in as we're triggered and need to repeat the steps of forgiveness. Now, I believe we all understand the importance of forgiveness and how Jesus modeled this virtue from the cross, especially as it pertains to emotional and physical trauma afflicted by someone. But what about forgiving the people who just stood by and watched as Jesus was crucified? Or what about the disciples who so loved Jesus but denied their association with the man that they called the Messiah? Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus, I hear you, but these people, they should have known better. Ignorance is defined as a lack of knowledge or information, a lack of education or awareness, Was it reasonable to suspect that the people who just stood by and watched Jesus being crucified did not know or have information or awareness of who he really was? And what about the disciples? Surely they knew. Did Jesus not tell them who he was and what was going to happen? Every gospel references Jesus' prediction of his death. Here is specifically what Luke had to say. Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. And again, after Jesus has healed a boy, while everyone was marveling, at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, listen to me and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. But they didn't know what he meant. Its significance was hidden from them. So they couldn't understand it. And they were afraid to ask him about it. But yet a third time, Jesus took the twelve outside and told them, We're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. Sometimes we are truly ignorant of the situation, perhaps like, like the people who simply stood by and watched. And sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees, perhaps like the disciples who simply could not fathom that their Savior would save them in a manner different than they ever could have imagined. Ignorance is not a sin, unless, of course, one intentionally chooses to be ignorant in spite of knowing better. Now, we have all seen this unintentional, or without malice, ignorance. When we see something and we think we need to act. If you've ever seen a house that's on fire, and you think to yourself, perhaps I should go bust out the windows and open the door so that if anyone is in the home or if there's any pets, they can get out safely. But in fact, that's one of the worst things things that you can do. For breaking the windows and opening the doors is not going to save someone. But in fact, bringing in fresh air that only makes the fire worse and that only then creates an unsafe environment for anyone who might still have been inside. But you wouldn't be expected to know that. I know that because I spent 35 years doing that. So ignorance is not always something that we would be ashamed of. We simply don't know. But there are times when perhaps we do know or we're feeling that nudge from God to do more and we choose not to. There are times when we need to act. There are times when what we do, we can do good. Is taking the wrong action better than taking no action? Well, not usually. But often we simply lack the confidence to act. We do know better. Sometimes we just need that nudge from God to act upon what's in our heart. Perhaps we feel called to feed the hungry or care for the sick or house the homeless or protect the children or advocate for the marginalized. Or stand up for injustice. You see, the list goes on. But often, we find excuses. We don't have the time. Or we're afraid of offending someone. Don't be a spectator. Don't stand by and watch others suffer as the crowds did during Jesus' crucifixion. Now, I acknowledge... That there was great fear of retribution during that time. And even today, there can be negative repercussions for our actions, even when the intent is good. So there can be reluctance as opposed to ignorance. But at least consider the courage and, and sacrifice that Jesus modeled for us all on the cross as you consider what appropriate actions to take. But what if we truly are ignorant? How can we come to know better? I like to think that with God, all things are possible. It begins with prayer. Father, forgive me, for I do not know what I am doing. God, how can I come to know better? To know You better? Immerse ourselves in the Word of the Lord. Look at what Jesus teaches us and how he models the values that we should strive for. As we embark on Lent, let me challenge you to a journey with me in daily reading of Scripture, in becoming more knowing and less ignorant. While we're already a few days into Lent, consider making a 40-day commitment. Pastor Jeff talked about Lent being 40 days. Jesus modeled a 40-day commitment when he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In fact, he fasted for 40 days. Now, I'm not suggesting that we fast for 40 days or fast at all if it's not a healthy thing to do, but rather that we should simply make and honor a commitment. Now, at some point in those 40 days, we will be tempted. Perhaps we're tempted to take a day off reading the Bible because we're just too busy or we get too far behind or we succumb to another temptation which compromises our commitment rest assured we're not alone jesus was tempted three times by satan in the wilderness remember jesus was hungry and so the devil said to him if you are the son of god tell this stone to become bread satan went on to say if you worship me all will be yours and then if you if you are the son of God throw yourself down from here and and let the angels catch you Jesus was also tempted three times from the cross and think about somebody who not only was was hungry but was in great pain was humiliated could have simply saved himself at any point in time The leaders who mocked Jesus said, he saved others, let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers, as they were tempting and torturing Jesus said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And the criminal right next to him, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Yet Jesus never did. Jesus could have easily invoked his power and authority and come down off of the cross. But even in the midst of horrific pain and agony, Jesus modeled sacrifice and commitment, denying his tempters three times. We are not strong enough to do that. We are weak. We are sinners. Yet we are forgiven. And we may have that understanding already. But when we read about forgiveness in the Bible, when we see how forgiveness is modeled time and time again by our Savior, I believe that it makes it more intuitive for us to live out that forgiveness daily in our own lives. For the word of our Lord, Scripture, has the power to change us. As Presbyterians, forgiveness is a tenet of our Reformed theology, of our faith, of our tradition, We confess our sins and ask forgiveness every week as a fundamental part of our worship. We rejoice that God forgives us. In that practice, God God does expect us then to forgive others. Is that not what we affirm in prayer every week? And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus taught us, how to forgive. Jesus showed us how to forgive. Jesus modeled forgiveness in his last moments with some of his very last words. Jesus was committed to forgiveness and he sacrificed his life for it, for us. As we make our way through Lent, let us embrace those values of sacrifice and commitment and forgiveness that our Savior, so consistently exhibited, and let us also remember the price he paid, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Our salvation is not of our own work, but by the grace of God, for we are forgiven." today especially as we are reminded of the power of forgiveness as we partake of the Holy Communion. May we re- remember that the body, the blood and the body of Christ was broken and poured out at the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And as difficult as it can be sometimes, let us show the world the love of Christ and how we model forgiveness to others. May we celebrate and exhibit forgiveness this day and forevermore in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.